Now, if there's any area of our life that we need some guidance in, it's in the, in our attitudes. It's been tough this year to maintain a decent attitude. Have y'all had trouble with that? Have you found yourself cranky, grumpy, and aggravated, you know, and, and you just want everybody to know it, you know? And uh, it's been challenging. And just because the clock and the calendar have turned over doesn't mean we probably have, have entered this year all transformed and ready to go. Uh, we still need some housekeeping, I think. So we need to begin by asking the Lord to show us uh, today how to love from the inside out. Not long ago, we spent several weeks looking at the Apostle Paul's letter to the Christians who lived in an area of the ancient world called Galatia. And in the fifth chapter of this letter, beginning with verse 16, we find these words. The Apostle Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to that sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you and I do not do what we really want to do. But, verse 18 says, if you're led by the Spirit, then you're not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Sounds like a family reunion, doesn't it? (laughs) Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, now listen carefully, because we're going to build on the next, the next nine weeks are going to be built on this verse. Actually, the next four verses, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kind, uh, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, so here's the question before us. How do we build these nine qualities, these nine attitudes, into our lives in this new year? I mean, how do we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in the process of changing us from the inside out. I mean, what would you see if you replayed the past 20 years of your life? Your family may be bigger. Your house may be bigger. Bank accounts may be bigger. Maybe, I don't know. I know the waistlines and foreheads are getting bigger. I know how that happens. But how how do you cooperate with the Holy Spirit in the process of, of making us larger when it comes to our influence, more influential on other people than in in a godly way. We've got to have bigger hearts. I mean, do you have more kindness in your heart? Is your heart more peaceful than it was back then? Are you gentler today than 20 years ago? Do you love more deeply than you did back then? Spiritually speaking, has your heart been enlarging or has it been kind of shrinking? And given the experiences of the last 12 months, it's, you know, it's, these are crucial perspectives to think about. Because we can come out of this blessed and encouraged and excited, 
And we can be really dragging after all of the disappointment and all of the change and all the, the challenges of this past year. This hard issue is a big question, a very important one, especially in terms of any revolutionary. We talked about this last week. Remember that? Talk about we need a revolutionary, not resolutions. We need revolution in the way you and I do what we do as Christians. And if we're going to have revolutionary goals in 2021, then we've got to deal with that particular question. Here's why. The Bible says that the greatest quality you and I can possess in all of life is love. 1 Corinthians 14.1 reads, follow the way of love. You know, you and I are at our very best when we demonstrate the love of God. And I wonder sometimes if we really appreciate the extremes that God has gone to to show us what real love is really like. I think our human nature struggles in this area. I read of a mother of five children who wrote this. She said, some days I'm just so worn out from taking care of the kids. I want to believe that my labors have not gone unappreciated. One evening after dinner, my 13-year-old son told me that he'd seen a movie in health class about uh, childbirth, about a woman giving birth, and about how painful and scary the whole thing looked to him. And she said this, I thought to myself, maybe now he'll have a little more appreciation of, of his mom, of me. But my son took a bite of his sandwich and said, man, I feel sorry for dad having to watch that five times. Isn't that thoughtful? Far too often, we don't appreciate what has been done for us. We don't appreciate what God has done. Do you know that at the cross, we see God at His very, very best? Because it was not those nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was love. It was not for any other reason other than for God so loved the world. What? He gave His only Son. So what was behind this, this willingness that Jesus had to endure the pain and the humiliation and the misery and everything? It, it was love of a totally different kind than you and I are normally exposed to. At the cross, always remember, we see God at his best. And we can see ourselves at our best. In fact, none of us are ever better than when we're living love-driven lives. But it's not easy. The reality is, in my life, and I bet yours, we haven't always done this. We fail to obey the command of Philippians 2.3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. You see, love is not some involuntary emotion that just overwhelms you from time to time. I mean, that, that's, that's Hollywood experience with that. Love is not something you fall out of or fall into. It's not any of those things. Love is a decision, a choice that we make, and we are to choose, according to Paul here, to consider others better than ourselves, to see others as more important. And Jesus always did this. Here he was, King of kings, Lord of lords, and he was the most awesome, most important person in this universe. But he humbled himself every single day, and he chose to treat 
everybody better than themselves. He was always in trouble with the hypocritical religious leaders because he spent so much time with sinners. And they just couldn't believe that he would do this. He hung out in the homes of dishonest tax collectors. He was kind and gentle with prostitutes and hurting people. He was never bothered by little children who wanted his attention. Every encounter was an opportunity to love and consider others better than himself. But if we're honest, and, and yeah, I hope I think that you would be, we this doesn't come naturally to us. We human beings have to deal with our sinful human nature. And love is not always at the top of the list. You head to the mall at Christmas time and the weather's terrible, lots crowded with all these cars, and suddenly you see a parking spot right by the door. And you never get to park that close. And so we get ready to pull into the lot and another car zips around the corner and slides right into that spot right in front of you. And your response is, oh, bless you. I'm so grateful that you get to be near the door. I was just hoping someone would come along that needed to be close to the door. In fact, I just prayed that that would happen. No, no, that's not, that's not our response. You and I both know that. I always appreciate the old story about this old guy that uh, was trying to do that at the mall. and Some young kid in a sports car pulled in right before he could get there. And so he backed his car up a little bit, and the guy got out of his car. The young kid smiled at him. He said, that's what happens when you're young and fast. And the old man nodded his head, and then he proceeded to put his car in gear and to ram his car into the other guy's car five or six times, just smashed the back end of it. He backed up. Smile and said, that's what happens when you're old and rich. That's not the attitude that you see from Jesus Christ. Real love, Jesus' kind of love, makes a conscious decision every day. You treat your spouse, you treat your family, you treat your employer, you treat your neighbor, you treat everybody that you meet gently and lovingly. Chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 43 says, You've heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, if we want to pull off this kind of, um, of godly response, I mean, if you're having trouble loving people, and really not being too concerned about others, then you've got to pinpoint the cause. What, what's hindering this? What hinders us from loving people like Jesus loved people? I think it's probably three things. One is we're all moving pretty fast in this crazy world. We got places to go, we got people to see, we got viruses to run away and hide from. When the one comedian said, the single most frustrating aspect of driving is you spend your whole life having to stop at red lights. And this is a cruel irony, he says, because when you die, they let the funeral procession run all the red lights all the way to the cemetery. <laughs> Why do they do this? Because when you're dead, it's important that you're making good time. But yet, we are moving fast. We really like to make good time, even though the faster we move, the less time we have to love other people. No one on earth, no one on earth got more done in his lifetime than Jesus Christ. But he was never in a hurry. You never see Jesus fretting. You never see him hurrying in a sense. Never see, he was never too busy to stop and meet the needs of somebody who needed 
a healing touch or a word of encouragement. He said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, 39, uh, after love, the second greatest, most important commandment was this, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God's one, but loving your neighbor as yourself was number two. And if you're not going to pull that off in this new year, we may have to slow down a bit. Try to put ourselves in other people's situations. To put yourself in your neighbor's shoes. Something we rarely do because we're moving so fast. I mean, when was the last time you thought about what it would feel like to be unemployed? When was the last time that you pondered, you know, not being able to pay your mortgage payments or had hungry kids to feel? What would it feel like to be divorced? What would it feel like to, to be widowed or homeless or diagnosed with a deadly virus? I would need to stop and slow down and consider the situations that people face. It's a lot easier to just get mad at somebody and just blow them off. But to stop and wonder, okay, maybe there's something driving this person's actions towards me. So we need to slow down. Then number two, I think another reason that we don't love as readily is that it can be physically and emotionally draining. Remember when a sick woman touched the hem of Jesus? Remember that? He was going through the community there, and he stopped and said, Someone touched me because I felt power drain out of my body. Have you ever felt that in the, in the, in the activities of daily family life and friend life and work life and you feel that your resources are being depleted as you try to minister to these people? Even Jesus understood it could be physically draining. And some of you know what I mean. Have you read the definition of outdoor barbecuing? Anybody seen this? All right, here's what you need to take note of this, all you men especially. <clears throat> when a man volunteers to do the outdoor cooking, <clears throat> the following things are set into motion. Number one, <clears throat> the woman goes to the store. Number two, the woman returns home and fixes salad, vegetables, and desserts. Number three, the woman prepares... The meat for cooking places it on a tray with the cooking utensils and takes it to the man who's lounging beside the grill drinking a Pepsi. Number four, the man places the meat on the grill. Number five, the woman goes inside, sets a table, prepares drinks. Number six, the woman goes out to tell the man the meat is burning. Number seven, the man takes the meat off the grill, hands it to the woman. Number eight, the woman prepares the plates and brings the meat to the table. Number nine, after eating, the woman clears the table and does the dishes. Number ten, the man asks the woman how she enjoyed her night off. And upon seeing her annoyed reaction, he says, there's just no pleasing some women. Number eleven, the man sleeps in the garage beside the grill. Now that's just family stuff, you know. It takes a lot of effort to love other people, physical energy, emotional energy. Even Jesus one time had to get in a boat and go to the other side of the lake just to break, take a break from the demands of the crowd. Other times he would head to the mountains just to be with the Lord, be with God, and recharge his spiritual batteries. And keep in mind, he was fully God as well as fully man. <laughs> wow. Don't you think you and I need to intentionally schedule times of refreshment. 
However, if we're to be honest about this whole thing, it keeps us from loving people, then probably this is, this is the most likely reason. All right, number three. It's because we're using the wrong power source. We're plugged in to the wrong power source. Somewhere along the line, we've come to believe that the source of success in a Christian's life is to just try harder in our own strength and our own effort and willpower. Many believers think that, that when it comes to successfully living the Christian life, you just got to do more, serve more, come to more meetings and attend more events, and, and, and we got to pray more. And God will be so impressed with our efforts that he'll bless the socks off. But that's not true. I want you to carefully look again at this verse from Galatians 5.22. In fact, let's read this out loud together. It's interactive now. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, did, did you catch that? In other words, when the Holy Spirit controls and directs and energizes our lives, okay, you tracking? He becomes the one who produces. Remember who the fruit, where the fruit comes from. It's the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And when we are sensitive to what He's doing in our life, then He becomes the one who produces the spiritual fruit in us. We can't always come up with this. We can't come up with spiritual fruit by ourselves anyway. It's a matter of the Spirit. We're talking about a supernatural powerful power source here. And when God, through the Spirit, is in charge of our lives. Then, beginning with love, he'll produce. And anybody who knows you will know. Because they're going to see us respond in ways that's not our normal normal nature. They're going to see us care more and pray more and listen more and, and, and encourage more and check on people more. It's going to be things that Jesus prompts us to do that we're going to be more sensitive to than we ever would have before. Becoming a loving person, a loving person happens when the seeds of love are planted in your heart. And by the way, again, none of these qualities happen naturally from the outside in. None of these nine qualities you can get externally and bring them in. It doesn't happen. It's produced inside you. And don't miss that. It's like, like, like you know, how do you get fruit on a tree? What, what if I brought a tree in here? I bring an apple tree in here as an illustration. You know, I would have done that today. It's hard to find an apple tree that's bearing fruit right now. And so... But I, if I brought it in here and had it all here and I was talking about my tree and so but, but how does a fruit find its way to the tree? I mean, you don't just go out there and hang it on a tree. No. A seed is planted at some point of time and the seed takes root and becomes a tree and over time the tree begins to bear fruit. No seed is planted First, I mean, the seed's planted first, but none of these qualities come first. They come after the fact. And if I uprooted the apple tree, which I would have to do to bring it in here and show you that, then it's no longer attached to its physical roots, so what's going to happen anyway? The tree's going to die. It's not going to produce anything because it has not connected 
to the source in, in, this, in your life, if you're not connected to the spiritual power source, then you'll never be able to produce the kind of qualities that we're going to be looking at in the next few weeks. Stuff like joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, as we've already talked about. Look what Jesus said about this in John 15, 1. I am the vine, he said, you're the branches. And if a man, woman, or child remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, separated from me, disconnected from the power source, which is him, you can do nothing. And that there's this balancing act, a balancing process that has to take place if we're going to allow the Spirit of God to have access to us so that he can love through us. You certainly have to spend time with those who need love, obviously, but you also must spend a significant amount of time in God's presence so we can experience what it really means to be loved. Second Peter 1, verse 3, look at this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Do you understand that there's no Christian that ever lived that grits his teeth and willfully ah, makes these godly attitudes pop into his life? It doesn't happen that way. The fruit of the Spirit appears naturally only when you and I are when we're tight with Jesus. We don't have to worry about this. His divine power on the inside produces everything we need to live productive and fruitful lives toward those we encounter on the outside. And this is why the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, verse 10, he said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. He wanted, to, Paul recognized the miraculous power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And that was the kind of power that Paul wanted to experience in his life. So you want to love your family better this year? You want to be better friends to your friends this year? Do you want to, you know, love your coworkers and and maybe even total strangers, your attitude to them to be be nice and gentle? This is the key. You have to get to know Jesus. We have to get to know his ways and his, and walk in his ways. That's why we're going to take 18 weeks just to figure out what those ways are and how God, and you're going to be able to take this home with you, and you're going to have five days that you can look for yourself. You're going to have your own little study guide to explore the particular aspect that we're talking about on Wednesday night. Then you get to go back and, and see what the Bible actually says and how it applies to you. Because sometimes when you hear a sermon, I mean, the Spirit will convict us and tell us, you know, I need this, I need to do this. But when it comes to staying on the path, Walking with the Lord, not being distracted, not not detouring. We need something that is a little stronger than that, a, a reminder of all that God is doing and has done. And so the best way to get that at the start of every year is you need to go back to some basics. And that's what we're going to do. And and I just I'm excited about it for you and for myself as well. Uh, I'm also praying for some because I know how easy it is to start stuff that we don't always finish very well. I've seen that many, many, many times. And I hope that uh, this, this beginning of this year will energize us in such a way 
that these fruit and the way in which we share them as we walk along the way, the path of Christ, that God set one for all of your lives, we are to walk in a certain way. We're going to study that. The word way appears all over the Bible, all over the Old Testament especially, all over Proverbs. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it's not the right way. And so we're going to explore that in great detail. Living the, Christ, living the Christian life is not all that complicated. There's no verse in the Bible that says God helps those who help themselves. That is not true. God may be gracious to you, but no, he's not obligated to help you, and you're not obligated to try to do it yourself. We are to trust in him. You've got to get to know the Lord. You've got to know his ways, his, wake, his walk, his example. All of Jesus' disciples, they asked him one time, said, show us the Father. Show us God. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And people, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, there's somebody in your life that's looking for somebody to model godly love for them. Because you're not going to see that in this messed up world. The only kind of love we see is, is physical love and sexual love and just beat us to death with all this, well, we can love anything in any way we want to. It's not godly love. Living the Christian life is not impossible for any of us if we are doing it in the strength of the Lord. What is it the Scripture says? I can do all things through Christ who what? Who strengthens me. And so that's my encouragement. You become a Christ follower when you admit you're a sinner and you invite Jesus to move in and set up housekeeping. And then you ask him to be the Lord and the manager and the transformer of your life. And he will. From the inside, in here, out. Father, thank you so much for your promise that you'll leave us alone down here. You don't leave us to our own devices. That you are near, very, very near, as near as a whispered prayer. Lord, I pray as we start this new year that we'll learn from the past year. We'll learn, Father, how easy it is to get off the path and how easy it is to get discouraged. But I pray, Father, that we will spend serious thought and effort into learning your way, what your plan was for all Christians, how we are to regard you, how we are to understand your ways, and how we trust you for the strength to walk in them. Lord, we love you. We thank you for getting us through the past year, and we pray for a lot of people still struggling in a lot of ways. We're not out of the woods yet, but Lord, we know that we can do all things through Christ. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, and we pray this in his name. Amen.